Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We are back in your lives, folks. It feels like it's been an eternity, Jake. It does. You know, the it last, does. The last few weeks, or however long it's been, I, time time has just, I've lost track of it. I felt like there's something, there's been something missing. Like I, I couldn't put my finger on it, just like an emptiness, a void inside. But you know, as soon as we started recording here, it clicked. This is what I've been missing. This show. You know you we've only missed one listeners. episode, right? <laughs> you know, no, and, no, and don't, don't, don't get your facts in here. I don't want to hear facts. This is pure emotion here, pure. And the, the, the people want raw, unfiltered. I'm giving them that right now. And you know, for anyone out there not watching the the video version of this, to support my good friend Felix over here, who uh, sadly now his uh, Montreal Canadiens have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, having been beaten. By the Tampa Bay Lightning. Having been spanked. I am wearing a Corey Perry uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey right now. So that is what I have on. Appreciate you. I am doing it in support. And it's also not because I ordered the jersey and was hoping it would get here during the cup final to wear during the cup final. And it didn't get here until after the cup final was over. We might might never see Perry in a Habs jersey again. Well, you know, this will become a collectible now. Or it just yeah. becomes a workout shirt, which is most likely what it will become. 94 is a good look for him, so yeah. it's okay. A $35 um, workout shirt. <laughs> I mean, that's how much the like you know dry fit shirts cost anyway. True, so. true. Uh, by the way, want to give a huge shout out. Uh, Science Cat 108, our good friend Jess from our beer league team, just gifted out five subs. So thank you so much, Jess. Coldfire725, subscribe with uh, uh, Twitch Prime. I'm seeing Payano Keys is here for the first time to jump uh, catching us live. So thank you so much for everyone tuning in. This is going to be a little bit of a different show, I think. Because, I mean, for the first time in what? Maybe a month? Maybe? We have news. We have news to talk about? Yeah. And there are things to preview? Things coming up? There's actually things to talk about. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's nice. I mean, the there's been a little bit of a lull in the the Ducks kind of news cycle just with the season ending, the Stanley Cup final, everything like that. Just really taking hold of, of, of the, of our attention, but now there's going to be a lot coming up and it's going to arrive fast and furious with the expansion draft, the draft itself, free agency, and the ducks have already started to get busy. I mean, we, we talked about it in the beginning of the off season when they hired Jeff Solomon. And now there's been more additions to the coaching staff, which I don't think we've talked about any of them on the show. Actually, I think we've we did talk about Ward and well, we've actually talked about all three of the assistant coaches yes, because that's we, true. we we did talk about Jeff Ward, we did talk about uh, Mike Stuthers, right? Is that his yeah. first name? Um, yeah. I may have gotten the first name wrong. I'll I'll double check that. No, you uh, you got it. Uh, and uh, prior to that being announced, the day before that was all announced. We actually had done a preview of because there was wind coming out of Thirty One Thoughts that the Ducks were interested in bringing in uh, Newell Brown. Yep, and then we th- so we did you a whole and I show on we it. did a we did a whole like ten to twenty minutes on Newell Brown just for the Ducks to not announce him and us thinking that that was all done and dusted and he wasn't going to get hired because they had two assistants and the Ducks just go and announce that Newell Brown is an assistant coach also so the Ducks will have three assistants on the bench. So if you really want an in-depth view, in-depth discussion about Newell Brown, go check that out. But he was the assistant coach for the Ducks way back during their Stanley Cup run and then eventually moved on to Vancouver where he was in charge of the Vancouver power play when they were absolutely lethal. Part of that is obviously going to be due to having the Sedins on your power play. I think that that helps out just a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, but in the last four years, he's also, I mean, that's, 
where a lot of people have pointed to this his you know quote unquote success the last four years with the Canucks power play. And when the news did get announced, I kind of looked into the the numbers a little bit because I actually think he was only in charge of it for the last four years. I could be wrong about that, and maybe there was like a stint before that. But yeah, last... so he was in Van- he was in Vancouver uh-huh. during their 2011 run, then okay. left Vancouver to go to okay. Arizona, then okay. came back to Vancouver after. So in the recent stint, the one mm-hmm. that doesn't have generational talent, although you could argue Elias Pettersson is that Quinn Hughes, uh, yeah. at least during that season. Yeah. So the in the four seasons, in the first season, if you just look at their shot map of like where the shots are coming from on the power play. You know, a lot of kind of in tight point shots. And then as soon as Elias Pedersen gets there and he's known for being so lethal from the from the right circle as a left handed shot, all of the shot volume starts coming from that that right circle and it just continues on. And then as once Quinn Hughes gets there, then he then you you see a big kind of dot, a big heat heat spot come up at the point. And so what that kind of tells me is that the way that Newell Brown operated his power play in Vancouver is just it seems like just let the best players kind of run the show. I mean, I think that that's probably what you should do if you have yeah. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Now, do the results necessarily kind of justify that tactic or if, if that was indeed the tactic? I mean, the the Canucks didn't rank in the top half in terms of shot metric ex- expected goals in the power play in, in any of those seasons. And the years where they kind of you know looked good in the, the power play percentage stat that you'll see on – uh, broadcast, it was mostly shot percentage driven. It wasn't actually this team that was just elite at generating chances on the power play. Now, of course, you know, the power play stats that we do have aren't perfect, but they are still pretty good, especially if you go to evolving hockey. And so all of that leads me to think that when I read, you know, these articles saying, well, Newell Brown had all this success leading the Canucks power play the last four years, I don't really, I don't really see the evidence for that. And so we'll see. Maybe if he simply gives gives all of the responsibility on the power play to Trevor Zegras that they'll flourish that they'll find a way but I am I guess I'm a well, little skeptical of how it'll go and and not 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 that I think it'll be that it'll go poorly just that I don't know what to expect really so two things that I want to jump in on real quick here is one thing I can recall there was a Vancouver Canucks I think Canucks Army or something like that wrote an article that was basically like the the reason why the, their power play had so much success was essentially uh, they fed it to Pedersen, like you said, so much. The The issue was that the season after, Hughes to Pedersen wasn't working because teams were keying in on it, and they weren't really able to adapt, and that was maybe an issue with Newell Brown there was, there, was that he wasn't able to really adapt. My question is, is that who is going to take over the power play reins? Because you now have two guys in Newell Brown and Jeff Ward yep. who both, as assistants, have been known for running power plays. That is what Jeff Ward's calling card has been every single stop of the way Maybe. as an assistant head coach, same or assistant coach. Same thing with with uh, with Newell Brown. He's run the power play wherever he's gone. Maybe it's going to be both of them doing it. Maybe maybe Bob Murray figures uh, <laughs> that had to fall on, on Dallas Aikens uh, uh, shoulders get last it. season with Mark Morrison not really filling the the get role. As many, get as many cooks in the kitchen exactly. And see what they come up with. I mean, look, I it's not I, an awful idea, honestly. Like if you look, and we'll we'll get into the the Joel Bouchard hiring soon, but if you just look at what they did behind the bench um, in terms of the assistants, we don't actually know if all three of them will be on the bench, but I think we can kind of assume that they will be, yeah, because it's not that uncommon in the NHL nowadays. Yep, I think that this is probably the way to go is to get as much responsibility, and this is not like a ringing endorsement of Dallas Akins, and we'll get into more of that later on, but 
get as much responsibility for the X's and O's portion of it out of his hands. It, it does seem that his strength as a coach is as a communicator, as a motivator, as a guy who can get players to buy in or at least get guys on the same page. And so if you can get the tactical responsibilities in the hands of a, a Jeff Ward and a Newell Brown for the power play, kind of combine those two minds, I think that that could potentially yield better results. And then Stuthers is, I think he seems to be kind of more of the, uh, the bad cop. At least yeah, that's, that, that's but, what it seems like. It seems like he's just there. He's been brought in to run the defense. It's, he's there to kind of be, like you said, the bad cop. Yeah. And there is, I mean, the, you know, just talking to people who have covered the Kings and the, and the Ontario rain, it does seem that there, there's been a lot of rave reviews about him and his ability to click with players on the back end. So I, I don't doubt that that could potentially work, but a lot of these, a lot of these hirings aren't necessarily slam dunks. They're just like, okay, well, this could work. So reading the tea leaves a little bit here. It's a lot of coaches. It's a lot of coaches, including one guy that was just recently a head coach in the NHL and had been coming as an interim head coach also. Yeah, it's almost Do you think there's anything with that and any and this is reading into the tea leaves a lot here. Big time. But the fact that the Ducks, I as far as I can recall, have never had three assistant coaches on the bench. Not now. This is not me saying that they're gonna have three on the bench. They did have Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah. No, we don't. But they had Scott Niedermeyer as an assistant for a while. He was uh, the eye in the sky type of guy, though. Who knows if they're gonna do that with this? But they now have three bona fide assistant coaches that all have a lot, have experience in the NHL or in the turn in Stuthers' uh, portion, at least uh, head coaching experience in the AHL and significant portion of it. So. This is the first time that I can think of that they have three legit assistant coaches, not just a former player starting to learn the game. And yeah, exactly. They're, they're all guys who could hypothetically step in. Correct. Um, may, maybe not Newell Brown, maybe not Stuthers, but there's at least a claim. But Jeff Ward could be, an, could be given the interim tag. Well, it's almost as if, hey, if, if things flame out again, you, you have the replacements right there for, or you could do like a committee. And... Um, I think that this is a, a very interesting transition point to uh, one Joel Bouchard, who, well, yeah. Oh, you got anything more you want to say? No, I think that, that that's the thing is up until today, or I guess when the news broke, which would have been what last Friday um, today, we became official. But so up until that point, just on those three hirings, you thought, okay, well, the ducks are loading up on coaches, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but this is what they, this is in line with what Bob Murray was saying. We want to support Dallas as much as we can get some of the work off of his plate. And I think that that was in line. You, you could read into the tea leaves a little bit and say that, yes, you know, there, that is a lot of guys, guys who could in theory be head coaches, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me to make that claim of the ducks are, are at least thinking ahead of life after Dallas Higgins. But then when the news came down that they hired Joel Bouchard and all of what we've heard from his comments, from Murray's comments since that time, have really led me to think that there there is a little bit of an undercurrent there of potentially preparing for life after Eakins. So Bouchard, just so for, for everyone who hasn't caught up yet, was the head coach for the Canadians, uh, you know, AHL club, the Laval Rocket, and his contract was up this offseason. And essentially the Canadians didn't come running after him to get him up to be an NHL assistant that was on the table, but they didn't, they didn't really make him feel wanted. That's, that's what we've all heard out of the Montreal media and the ducks went after him hard. They, they made an offer and they really wanted him to join the club. 
They wanted him to, they, they loved his development track record, which has been strong in Laval. They wanted him to lead the San Diego Gulls, didn't renew Kevin Deneen's contract to go after Bouchard. Apparently there were two other candidates outside of Bouchard, but that he was their number one guy. He's the guy that they landed on. And then you read some of Bouchard's comments today where he's saying, he's saying it himself that, look, when a club calls you that really wants you with an NHL head coach that has a year left on his contract, and those aren't the exact words, but that's the general thrust of the comment. It just really makes you wonder, like, what is the plan here for Dallas Higgins after next year? It, it almost feels as if, I don't know, it, it's becoming hard to ignore this pattern. I, yeah. I don't want to go so far as to say the Ducks have hired Aikens replacement because there is, of course, a universe where the Ducks have a good season next year, where Aikens takes a step forward as a coach. The team takes a step forward. But I don't know. What's your what was kind of what's been your reaction? Where's your mind kind of settling here? Well, my first reaction to this was first off, I was kind of puzzled by it because I thought Deneen was still under contract. Nope. And, and so no one had really reported what Deneen's contract status was and like that. And granted, AHL coach, not exactly high priority for people. Well, it's, to, also, to, it's also the Ducks. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it really did kind of feel like it came out of left field. And to me, it was like, well, does this mean they're firing Deneen? Is this Deneen leaving? Is it a situation where the contract is up? It was it was very puzzling. And I mean, to be quite honest, I don't know the AHL coach for every single team throughout the league. Are I know some... I know some higher profile ones, but Joel Bouchard is not exactly someone that I necessarily know that much about. So kind of leaning on you for a little bit there, but it does seem as if um, he, he is probably one of the more high profile coaches. Yeah, it's been in the HL last couple of years, but and even does, before that in junior. Yeah, yeah, it, it does seem as if he he's a guy that is very highly respected from the Montreal Canadiens perspective is very highly respected in terms of player development. He's someone that you were telling me about is, is very much given credit for guys like Jake Evans success, kind of more so the these lower down type players and maybe. The Ducks don't like the way that a Sam Steele, the way that Max Jones, the way that these well, guys have even, necessarily developed. You, you go back to last year when Jesperi Kotkaniemi got sent down to the AHL, mm-hmm. had a good run there, did talk about Bouchard's influence. So because the, the fingerprints are there. Yeah, because, I mean, what? Sam Steele, Max Jones, none of those guys played under Dallas Aikens in the AHL, right? And that was kind of Dallas Aikens' calling card in the AHL. They've only had, yeah, they would have only had, I think, Deneen full-time unless I'm spacing there, maybe they had a little bit of Dallas Akins, but I don't think they would have had that much of him. Um, yeah, they may have had, yeah. I think they may, I think they may have had one season. Actually, let me correct myself. There. I think they had one season of him, but still they may not have been happy. The ducks may not have been happy with the way things were going under Deneen from a player development perspective with Isaac Lundestrom's well, of the world. It, it, could, and, and, it, it could also be a, a simple, a simple fact of, Hey, Bouchard, they want, you know, Bouchard was just the better option. Yeah, which, which with, is the with correct call. And Deneen hadn't done enough to really sell it, them on, you know, him being the only option. It's a cold and calculated move, but that's part of what happened. So here's the quote, the specific one that was in the article that came out today. Uh, it was on The Athletic. Uh, I will find out the person's name in one second. But the quote is um, uh, from Bouchard. I was in a great spot here, but on July 1st, a team calls and tells me that they have an NHL coach they will move forward with who has one year left on his contract. We have young players and we believe in you as a coach. What do you want? We believe in what you do. And so that's essentially what Bob Murray said to him. It's very interesting to me that Joel Bouchard specifically mentions that we haven't that the Ducks said we have a coach with one year left on his deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know. It's hard to say if that's exactly what was said in the conversation. Yeah, you know, Bouchard. But it, it's very interesting that in a quote, 
that the yeah. coach that is just hired, he specifically makes mention that the team has a coach that they're moving forward with right now who only has one year left on his deal. And this is from Marc Antoine Godin uh, from The Athletic. Well, yeah, so just, and it's Godin, by the Godin. way. It's, it, it's Sorry. Fine. It's fine. Sorry. I, I Sorry. Forgive you. Sorry. I forgive you. Um, but no, but the other thing is that um, just from a PR perspective, from a kind of, you know, professional relationships within the organization, like that's not really something that you want to bring up if you're Bouchard, you know, you don't want to ruffle feathers and clearly either he wasn't thinking about that or maybe we're misinterpreting the quote, whatever the case may be. But it is, it is interesting that that's part of the dialogue here, that that's, that's part of the narrative is that, Hey, they have a coach who could be on his way out. And I think that for Bouchard, it's a good career move. If, if he, if he does well with San Diego this year, if they have a good season, if if some of the younger guys take another step, and there are guys who will be there next season. We've talked about like Bo Gru, for example. He's going to have development opportunities. If, if he shines there and if Dallas Akins and the Ducks have the season that maybe we're expecting here a little bit, which is going to be another another struggle year, then the the door is wide open for him to potentially become the Ducks' next head coach and to land his first NHL head coaching gig. So from, yeah. from a Joel Bouchard perspective, I 100% understand why he would do it. I think yeah. that this is a long-term career perspective. This is the right move for him because it just, you know, you have Dominic Ducharme in Montreal who's coming off of a Stanley Cup final run. Do I think Ducharme had a lot to do with that? No, but the fact is they're going to bring him back because he got them to the Cup final. It's a lot like the England manager in the in the euro um wow bring it bring it back with an interesting uh interesting reference well, there and a callback to our text messages the, the team winning in spite of the coach is how i feel about both these situations but the point i'm making is that i think that for for bouchard he made the right call and for the ducks i think that it's the right call as well you know this is something i brought up today on twitter the ducks have gotten a lot of credit for their their prospect pool they've gotten a lot of credit for their draft record and you know that you always hear about that when people discuss the ducks and their prospect system and the goals but in in the last number of years it it hasn't been all that rosy there have been some misses there have been some developmental setbacks i think sam Steele is an example max jones hasn't really taken the next step lundestrom is starting to come into his own mahura hasn't really done that yet um so there is room for growth there and i do give the ducks as an organization credit for wanting to to not just rest in their laurels and just be happy that they have draft picks that are either graduating to the big club or graduating to the AHL. Like they are still trying to improve that. And I think this is part of a a larger narrative for the ducks now, which is, you know, bring in a guy like Jeff Solomon to be an AGM who also could be potentially the next GM of the team, much like Bouchard could be the next head coach. I think that the, the infrastructure of this team, the stuff that people don't really think about, but that does extremely matter all of that stuff is starting to tighten up a little bit, starting to get more solid. And I think that that's a really yeah. good thing for the Ducks for the next five years. I do wonder how much of this, and this is just pure speculation. There's no way we'll ever mm-hmm. know about this. But I do wonder how much of this is a is a Jeff Solomon hiring. How much of an influence he had on this specific situation. Because I, think it, I think it could be a Martin Madden hiring, actually. Because Madden is Montreal based out, connection. Yeah, Madden's based out in Quebec. Yeah. And he probably catches a lot of Laval games, probably talks to Joel Bouchard. I mean, everybody talks to everybody in this business. And so I could see that, but you could be right as well. There's also supposedly, I guess, Bob Murray and Mark Bergevin are really close friends. Yeah, exactly. There's that. There's a whole lot of things. The the reason why I was purely speculating on the Solomon portion of it, though, is I I wonder how much of a say he... Is it a smart move? 
Well, it's not only a smart move, but yes, that that is definitely part of it. But the the other part of it is if if he is this guy that that we we both agree on that he is going to be the next general manager. It seems as if Bob Murray once his contracts up will probably take a step back. Solomon will take over that role. Maybe president of hockey ops or something. Yeah, that, that's purely our speculation there. But you would assume that if this is the guy that uh, is potentially going to be the next head coach of the Ducks, that you would think the potential next head GM of the Ducks will have a big say in his hiring. So. That that's kind of where I'm going with it. Not not necessarily anything there to read into too much, but just a curiosity there for me. So the only thing I will say is that uh, Bouchard has a good uh, developmental track record. You know, you hear only good things about him. Yes, but and this is kind of similar to when Martin Madden was promoted to, to assistant general manager, and there has been and people talking about how you know he could become the next GM. We don't we don't really know how that will translate. What he's done up to now. We don't really know how that will translate at the NHL level because there have been some clashes. He's had some clashes with veteran players on the Rocket. There's been some fallout there. The team hasn't been hugely successful. That's not totally on him because, you know, like the AHL seasons are weird with call-ups and different things like that. But I, I don't want to paint this, though, as like, hey, the Ducks have this guy who's going to be a slam dunk NHL head coach yeah. once he makes the jump. We don't know well, that yet. There, there's a reason why he was hired to be an AHL coach again, not jump straight to the NHL. Exactly. And like, so there, I, there are job openings this summer that he was not uh, interviewed for. So that is something to consider. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it's a, it's potentially a great move, and especially if Dallas Aikens has a setback this year. Mm-hmm. Um I do just find it interesting, though, how the Ducks are kind of laying this groundwork for Aiken's potential departure. And it, it it's almost like they have a, su- a, su- a succession plan in place, a succession plan. Wait. It sucks because you don't want to talk about a guy like he's gone before he's actually gone. But oh, yeah. The writing's op- on the wall at this point. But that's just what the optics are. And it's just interesting because it, it feels like they've almost... And again, now this is complete speculation, but I can't help but think a little we bit. We have a podcast. This yeah. podcast would not exist if we weren't just speculating <laughs> we on We have airtime to fill. Yeah. I, I just, I can't help but think like they, have they, have they already decided internally like Dallas Akins might just not be the guy long term and we just don't want to fire him going into next year. You know, like, cause if you would, you would think that they might be more like investing in him for, for next season. And it feels like they're almost just hiring replacements for him left and right. Maybe that's just too, too harsh of a view on it, but that's, that's, I can't help but think, think that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, by no. the way, and by the way, you know, it's, I just want to say that for people who feel bad for Aikens or, you know, this is put, putting a lot of pressure on him. That's the business that's coaching in the NHL. That's coaching in professional sports. He hasn't really done anything to buy himself the benefit of the doubt. He, the ducks have been horrendous. The two seasons he's been there, particularly last season, where it felt like there was maybe some room for growth that that just didn't happen at all. If anything, they they took a step back. So I, I don't think that Dallas Aikens is is this you know sympathetic figure where he deserves the benefit no, of the doubt. And, I, I mean, I think a little end, a little pressure probably is is the right call here. It sucks, but sports is cutthroat. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you aren't delivering to what is expected of you, then from a player perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a GM perspective. I mean, there's a lot of money online. There's a lot of jobs online. There's a lot of things like that. There, there's pressure that gets applied, and and I, and I don't think the Ducks want to be bad again next year. No, I think that internally, do that, you do you think that maybe this is part of it? Also, they view the Pacific as being weaker, and they think they can jump into a playoff spot. I mean, the the Edmonton Oilers just gave up assets to get Ugh. Duncan Keith's corpse. Ugh. Ugh. So, 
and take on his full salary. Like, yeah. So and, and now they have to protect him and well, potentially have to ex- protect him in the in the expansion draft. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I get. I understand why you would think that. It's like, hey, the division's going to get significantly yeah. weaker. But even still, if you look at some of the the models, like Jay Fresh's war roster mm-hmm. generator, the Ducks still aren't a playoff team. No, even, even but how, I, even I wonder how much of that would change based upon where where Zegers and Drysdale end up next season. Well, that's you the thing because Zegers now is like how Zegers looks in a model now is probably not how he will look. And next same season. thing with Drysdale. Yeah, I mean, same thing with like Contois and Terry. I think, although yeah. who knows if they'll they, the they're team. they they are closer to what. Yes what they are, whereas there should be a pretty big jump in Zegris and Drysdale. Yeah, and, and, and the thing with Zegris is it could be a, a very significant jump. And there's yes. always there's always that pie-in-the-sky dream of Gibson bouncing back. So yes. that's yeah, I, Yeah, and, and it's possible. I mean, it seems wide open, especially it, it appears as if L.A. is trying to go for it again with, yeah. their, with getting Victor Arvidsson, and they're in on a couple different pieces. It seems as if, and maybe rightfully so, a lot of people view that third place in the division kind of wide open. I think Calgary probably has the, the best chance at taking it, but... Yeah, it's, but Cal- it feels Calgary, pretty open. You, you can't you can't just pencil them in. Either. Well, you also don't necessarily know what they're going to do with their roster because they mm-hmm. may just do something weird. This they might blow season. it up. Yeah, I mean, they, they may trade Johnny Gaudreau, <laughs> which would be. I mean, I think that they're at the point though where they're stuck in that, and that they may lose, and they may lose Mark Giordano to Seattle. There's a there's a whole lot of things that could yeah, could so change things. This is kind of the. You know, it's potentially something that you want to factor into your plan, which is, hey, the the division is there, but at the same time, you don't want to fully bank on that either. You don't want to. Well, you also don't want to bank on it with this uh, with next year's draft because it, it it's not as if the Ducks were hugely successful against teams that we thought that they should have beaten in mm-hmm. in the in last year's regular or this year's regular season. So it'll be yeah. interesting. It'll be interesting. Yep. And I really guess the the final. I mean, anything else you want to mention on Joel Bouchard? Is it Joel or is it Joel? It, well, it's Joel. Joel. Okay. It, the French print. There is an accent on the e. There's the it, two two dots. Wait, I thought there. I thought it was the o had the two dots. That was like an umlaut. No, it's on the e. Okay. Joel. Oh, yep. I'm staring at it right now. There we go. Joel. So the only other thing that I wanted to talk about, I mean, so on the coaching front, I think that that's that's kind of it. I I really think that there is some groundwork here for life after Aikens. And at, at bare minimum, I think that this is a good move for San Diego. And I'm not 100% sold yet that the moves behind the bench in Anaheim are going to translate to a better power play. I think just a full season of Trevor Zegras on the power play is probably going to help just by itself. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about this uh, mock draft? Sure, let's do that. I got one more thing after that, so and then we'll get into the Q&A. Okay. Yeah, so looking at the mock draft here from Corey Promen on The Athletic, which... I never look at as, hey, this is what, you know, a ranking of the best players. It's just more so a good, it, it's getting the pulse of the industry, getting a pulse of where insiders think different guys are going to go. And in his mock draft, he had owned power going number one to Buffalo. And it sounds like that is really solidified and pretty much a lock, although we don't, we don't, we won't know until it happens. Um, Owen power to Buffalo at one. And then Matthew Beneers, number two which we haven't really been able to say whether or not we're, we're for sure on that, but it sounds like that's, that that's where it's headed. It, it seems like a lot of people have gone that way, but there it's not a set in stone thing. It almost feels like it's 50, 50 at this point, whether it would be Beneers or whether it will be a defenseman like a Luke Hughes, like a Brant Clark, 
like a Simone Edvinson. I, I think there's a whole lot of defensemen that could slip in there, but a lot of people are really thinking that Seattle and Ron Francis with their first ever draft pick will take either a defenseman or a center. They're not going to go with a winger. Yeah, and then getting to number three with the Ducks. So he has Dylan Gunther going to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And then the very last sentence of the blurb saying that uh, the the organization could use another premium center. So teams around the league think Mason McTavish or Beneers, if he gets number three, could be possibilities here as well. So I know that you have your skepticism on Gunther, but I think overall this is kind of the right thought process. The Ducks, correct? if correct. they're not going to get Eklund, you still, I think they need to go get a, a forward. They need to get a guy who can supplement Trevor Zegras, who can potentially play on his wing, play on the power play. Dylan Gunther seems to have a good offensive toolkit. Mason McTavish as well brings more of a motor. We all know, I mean, we've talked a lot about Matthew Beneers, more of a two-way game. But if it's one of those three guys, how do you feel about this draft? Um, I feel pretty good. I, I think Mason McTavish would be the one I would be least excited about. I think Interesting. he's Le- a guy less, that, less than Gunther. Less than Gunther. I think Gunther, at least maybe you can point to, well, yes, it was a small sample size. He was able to score a bunch of goals in the WHL, whereas Mason McTavish, and granted, part of this is due to the OHL not playing this year, is a little bit kind of more under the radar type of player. He played in the Swiss League and put up 11 points in 13 games uh, in the Swiss League. Uh, the the thing that makes me somewhat skeptical skeptical uh, with McTavish is one of his premier assets is his size. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a bit skeptical when a premier asset for a player is that he's big. And so I think McTavish doesn't necessarily fit that. I think that he is pretty, he does have good hands. He does have a decent level of skill and he was very good at the U 18s, um, putting up, uh, his Z score. So I'm looking at kind of Z score from the elite prospects draft guide and his expected assists per 60 is kind of off the chart, really good defensively. Um, so, I think he would be a very good pick. I just think from an excitement level, he would be lower on my yeah. on my list. I think that Matt Abeneers makes me excited because he's a transition monster more so than anyone else. I think McTavish is almost that same t- a similar type of player, but a little bit on the uh, the upside light. feels lower with McTavish. Correct. Yeah, and then I think Gunther and Eklund kind of fit in that same situation of the winger that can score. Eklund, I think, is more exciting because he can do a lot more. Yeah. Then Gunther, and I think that he's a more creative, more agile player, can create plays, is more of a playmaking, is more heady, everything like that. But I think Gunther is also defensible because you kind of want to shoot it or go with Trevor Zegras. Now, do you want to – it really depends on best player available versus need. And I think Gunther may fit the need better. Eklund's the best player available out of those two. The thing is, I think so many teams are going to pass on Eklund. Um, I agree. And, and, you know, it's, it's the Marco Rossi. It's the size. Effect. It's the yeah, size. It's, it's the, it's the size. It's the, I mean, part of it is, I think there's still maybe some skepticism towards forwards um, in Sweden. I don't know, but I mean, I think that that is, that, that is who I would take, but I'm just at the point where I don't think they'll take them. So I'm, I've kind of separated that out of my thought process. And I agree with everything you've said. I do find it interesting that Gunther is kind of, that's the name that's starting to pop up. Just like last year where the, you know, Drysdale's name started to pop up. And then we were thinking, ah, that doesn't make sense. They need a forward. They need a forward. And then they end up picking Jamie Drysdale. And so I think this could be a similar pattern. Yeah. Although this year it's so much more wide open that. Yes. That's the thing. It's defensible to go any which way. But I, you know, you know me. I always lean towards offense. I think that that's the hardest thing to find on any to, to get for any team. 
you can get it in the draft and in, in that top five and they have that opportunity at number three so if they go gunther I mean, if they go Beniers, McTavish, I think that those are all fine picks because yeah. that's gonna that's gonna and, help an area of need and it's gonna help their overall upside. And without giving away too much here, because everyone go support Elite Prospects, very very good site, very uh, definitely worth it. Their High draft, quality. their draft guide, I think, is the most thorough, most well thought out prospect ranking well, that you, you will you'll, find. You'll also you'll also like learn about the game because the way that they write about these guys, there's a lot of technical mm-hmm. breakdown of like skating stride and correct. I, I've actually gotten better as a skater just from reading these guides because it's correct. made me it's made me rethink how I skate. Yeah. So, so without giving away too much, I'm just gonna give you where they have the guys rate, rated that we've listed right now. So they have Beneers first overall. Second overall is Eklund then they have, and let me scroll to it very quickly. Give me one second here because I'm actually, there's just the list of players. Uh, if I, it will load for me. Uh, so Beniers is first, Eklund is second, then McTavish is fifth, Gunther is seventh. Okay. So yeah. that that's where they have all those guys listed. But so but between that, between those names, that that's, there's just a bunch of D-men. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, here, I'll, okay. I'll, 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 let me just list out their top 10. Mm-hmm. This is not giving away anything from them because they have a lot of information. So go look at their reasonings for why, but it's Beneers, Eklund, Power, Clark, McTavish, Wallstedt, Gunther, Edvinson, Lasselle, and then Johnson. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think if you probably read through that though, there is an acknowledgement of this order is kind of, well, this is their, this is, this is their their ranking. This is not, yeah. uh, and I think yeah. that's the that's the clear thing with Pronman that that's important to make here is that's his mock draft. Yeah, so exactly. This is, this, this is not a this is not a ranking. This is a mock draft. Exactly. So, but yeah, all this to say, I think if the Ducks go Gunther, it's not who I would pick, but it's it's also not this terrible reach or, or anything like that. It's it will help them. It will help their pipeline. They yep. just need more forwards. <laughs> I'm just going to hammer this They just home. need more good players. They need more good players. They need guys who can score. I mean, you saw it this year, how terribly challenging it is to, for them to generate offense, and they're not getting any bump from the coaching or the power play. So they and, really they really just need more talent. And one thing I want to also mention about this draft is don't I don't expect, and I don't think anyone should expect, any player from this draft to make the jump right away this year. Because it already appears as if Owen Power has committed to going back to Michigan. So that that's his prerogative to go back. I haven't seen anything on Beneers, but I would assume maybe that's the same case. If Power's going back, you might think Beneers wants to go back for another, another for, go at for it. a lot of these guys, it was just a weird year. Yeah. You kind of want just like a normal development year. Exactly. I mean, Brent Clark had to go to Slovakia, so... Mason McTavish had to go to Switzerland. Yeah, so Gunther maybe- had 12 games. So, I mean, for some of these guys, maybe they shouldn't go back, but maybe they will just maybe teams want to see them in kind of a normal environment against their peers. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But all, all this to say that, look, the draft is coming up. We have plenty more uh, to, to break down on that and that we'll talk about. But it's start thinking about it, folks. Start. Yeah. Start letting it. I mean, start it, doing your research. It's the draft is what? I think it's a week from Friday. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. No, I believe I'm, I believe it's a week from Friday. Something like that. Oh boy, yeah. how do I not know this off the top yeah. of my head? It, it feels well. It feels like it's come out of nowhere because of the the cup July, final, July twenty third. So that is next Friday. Yeah. yeah, next Friday, and expansion draft is next Wednesday. Speaking of which, Felix, we're doing a watch along for the expansion draft. I'm telling you right now. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, Wait, when is that? Next Wednesday. Okay. Wow. Next week is going to be fun. Yeah. 
Next week yeah. is going to be fun. Next week is going to. So, yeah. I And I think the draft, if we can, I'll see what we can do. Uh, I think we're going to try to do a watch, uh, Twitch watch along, Twitch stream of the draft. Yeah, as we'll is tradition. See. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We need to do a mock draft before it. We do. Point. The, we will on the Patreon podcast. Felix, we discussed that part on in our text messages. We will be doing a Patreon episode at some point this upcoming week and next week next week about doing a mock draft and one for the mock expansion draft. And perfect transition, Felix. The expansion draft lists are required by Saturday. Yep. Prediction time. Prediction time. Who do you think the Ducks are going to protect? Ooh. Um, I think you should go first on this because this is this is your bread and butter. Um, so have I fought, have I flipped any of my picks? I'm bringing up the Seattle expansion draft simulator just to kind of open it up to to ring my memory a little bit. So, my initial uh my old thought was that the Ducks would would do eight skaters. They would mm-hmm. go Flurry. They would go Manson. They would go Lindholm. They would go Fowler. No, I had those four. Yeah, well, so I think to me, if you do four four, so I think it'll be yeah, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, Flurry, and, and then the four forwards would be Raquel, uh, Terry, Raquel, 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 Terry, Lundestrom, and then probably Steele. Uh, yeah, Steele well, or Jones. Yeah, I I think. I think it'll be Steele over Jones just because I think that they still want to see Steele get it. Like, I think that maybe they'll view this as like, hey, if we protect Sam Steele, that'll send him the, the right message that we have confidence in him. Yeah. And that'll help him. Because with Max Jones, who do you think is more potential of those two? Like, do you think there's a do you think there's this big difference either way? Because I don't no. think that there's that much of a difference. I don't think there's that much of a difference, which is why I would probably do Steele just because he's a center. Because he's a center, and maybe he's shown a little bit more. I mean, it's not as if Max Jones has shown a ton either, um, you know. And so, anyway, it's going to be one of those two for the fourth spot. Yeah. By the way, Heyo Deflo is asking why are we protecting Manson? The even if you don't think Manson has played that they, good of a game, they need you, to protect him so that they can trade him. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because losing, that... losing him for nothing would actually be like just a disaster yeah. in terms like, of asset management. There is no way the fact there's so no is, way this, like there, this is what we think they'll do, by the way. Well, there there is no way that the ducks will leave him exposed because if here's the thing, if they would have been willing to leave him exposed, they would have just traded him at the, the deadline for whatever they could have gotten and not held up such a high price. Like that yeah. that that's the key thing here is like the, there aren't these two like you can't say well they wanted they they didn't want to trade him for anything but a first rounder and all this different stuff and then on the flip side say well they they should expose him it, it can't be both it's got to be one or like yeah. like those two basically if they are doing that then they are going to protect him because they value him so notably exposed though is Kevin Shattenkirk and Adam Henrique. Well, first off, the Ducks are exposing Shattenkirk. Granted, it could be Shattenkirk or Larson filling the role, but yes. Well, you you think it'll be? I mean, I I don't think they'll protect Shattenkirk either. No. We don't actually know that. And so and there's out. and there's no way that they protect Adam Henrique because they put him on waivers this past year. Maybe the um, maybe the the Kraken could, could the Kraken take Volkov? They can yes, they can take him. They, I I've seen people like throw protect, his name protect Volkov. <laughs> I've seen people throw his name out there as someone the Ducks should look to protect, and they don't want to lose him. I'm like, are we watching the same game right now? Like well, Volkov, but, like but, he's been fine, but like between Volkov, Jones, and Steele, I just think it's kind of Vol- like it's different Vol- shades of gray. It's all the well, same Volkov kind of player. Is, 
to me, Volkov's the worst out of those three. I don't know. Sam Steele is real bad <laughs> or has yeah. been real bad. I, I guess I'd rather take the guy that I've put my development time into. Well, yeah, from an organizational perspective, yes. But they did like, trade for Volkov. They so. traded Antoine Morand for and Volkov. Like a seventh, yeah. Yeah, like you're acting like as if they <laughs> traded a, a lot of draft capital. They barely I don't, traded I don't for see him. The, I don't see the Kraken picking up Volkov. No. I, I to, think it's to, always a red flag when you're 23. To, you've already been traded. To me, um, the discussion is going to be with the the Kraken of Mahura. Well, it, the discussion is what do they want from the Ducks for this expansion draft? Are they going to want someone for the next year or two that is going to decline and they will eat up some of your cap, but they will help you ice a competitive roster? Because that is yeah, what an so Adam Henrique that some jerseys that is what Adam Henrique that is what Silverberg that is what Shattenkirk will do. All three of those guys fill the, those roles. All three of those guys, especially Henrik and Silverberg, are signed for a significant period of time moving forward. Uh, Shattenkirk is the, I think, the easiest contract to eat because it's just two years yeah. and it's a decent amount of time. And I think he's a good player. What, what would you do if you're Seattle? Now this is hard because you don't have the other, you know, thirty teams. Kind of yeah, that, that's the hard part. Of, or I guess twenty nine teams. It, yeah. If I had gotten a decent amount of futures from other teams. Um, and in, in a spot where I'm comfortable with the future, I would take Shattenkirk because I think Shattenkirk is actually a good player. I think he's a guy that can play some top, some heavier minutes on defense. Well, you can also, you can also flip him. Correct. That's, that's, that's and, the thing with and, Shattenkirk. And like Hen- Henrik and Silverberg, you don't really have that, that, that possibility. Henrik was put on waivers and couldn't, wasn't taken for free. So yeah, Shattenkirk has three is at 3.9 for the next two years. Whereas, uh, Silverberg and, and Henrik are at five plus for the next three. Like if you end up getting a third round pick for Shattenkirk, if you're Seattle, that's a net win. Yeah. And you so, didn't have to give up anything. I mean, although, like, although there's also the perspective, if you're Seattle of, you're going to have a lot of cap space. You could take Henrik, retain half and or eat half and then get something back for him. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a number of different ways that they could go with this. So the discussion, I, I think, from a Seattle perspective of is of what do you want from the Ducks? Do you want someone who will help you now or someone who more so will be under club control for a significant period of time? So to, and to, it, to me, if it's someone you want now, I think it's between Shattenkirk and Henrique. Yes. And if it's someone for the future, it's probably going to be one of Mahura... Volkov, Jones, Steele, whoever like the young players that's available. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jacob. We haven't said Jacob Larson's name. Yeah, I feel no like way. he's he's yeah, the dark no horse way. here. There's no <laughs> way. Well, what about a guy like a Milano or a Heinen? I think so, I think they're a bit too old. I think that yeah, like there's just not really a lot of a lot of runway left for those guys. I mean, with Milano, there is a really uncertain injury situation there um, that no one seems to really know what's going on. So I, yeah, I, I don't see those wait, guys. Wait, why, why haven't I discussed this yet? What? What if, you know, Ron Francis just, you know, com- and all the analytics people or the analytics people just like don't have a say. Ron Francis just takes over and he's like, I need my fourth line elite or my first line elite center. <laughs> Derek and they, Grant. And they take Derek Grant. <laughs> what if the Ducks protect Grant? There's no way. What if instead of protecting one of the youngsters at the fourth? I mean, spot, they did they protect, protect Antoine Vermette last expansion draft. Yeah, like, but granted, on that one it was because they had just like a free spot. What if though? What if would, would your head just explode if they protected Derek Grant? I'm actually very excited for the protection list just to have our podcast next Monday so we can break it down and really critique. Free, free topic. 
Yeah, I, it, I, I predict there will be one like WTF pick. Who? Hey, I just does I just does, you one. does Bob Murray grow or have the guts to leave Fowler exposed? No, no, there's no, no. Way. no that I mean, would that would it, be the it, WTF. It, 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 it would make sense if he left him exposed. You've you've made the case, and I agree with it that leaving him exposed makes a lot of sense because worst case scenario that he gets moved and you just you know you 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 get off his cap hit and best case scenario I mean I guess you just keep him and you're able to protect someone else that you don't want to lose like it's there's not really like a bad situation there with mm-hmm. Fowler if you leave him exposed. I mean maybe you're I mean the bad situation is if you lose him you're worse next year because of it but you gain a but bunch is of that, is that so bad though? No, I mean you gain a bunch of caps in the Shane Wright draft. I mean here's the the other thing is and I've long said this. The Ducks have to sign Lindholm. Like if they're have, have sorry, to? let me rephrase that. They if they want to keep him, he is uh his contract is up next summer. Yeah, and so there's a decision that needs to be made there. Yeah, it's it's whether Fowler who's going to be your old defenseman on this team. Well, is so it Fowler or is it Lindholm? Bob Murray talked about it in his end of season presser about that there's going to be a lot of action you know, leading up to the expansion draft and leading up to the, the draft itself. And so the clock's a ticking. Maybe we're going to see someone moved. Maybe I it'll mean, be Victor Arvidsson was moved for what a second and a third because of the expansion draft. That's a former 30 goal well, score. I think it's also the fact that the Kings are just willing to give up picks because of their farm system. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Giving up a hundred bucks. If you're a millionaire is easy. Giving up a hundred bucks. If you only have a thousand dollars is tougher. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like that was a shot at the Ducks. Can't, can't that, really that, tell. That actually <laughs> wasn't even meant to be a shot. It was just meant to be a reference of the Kings have yeah. so many prospects yeah, that they can it's give easy up to give up a second and a third, seeing as they still have a second and a third and, in this year's draft. And they could result. also, yeah, and anyway, yeah. So I think that there we could see the Ducks, like, We've heard we we've heard the rumors that the Ducks are going to be active or that the Ducks want to make moves that that you know look out for Anaheim and I mean we're coming up on it now like this is when we're supposed to see it and oh by the way at the trade deadline when we were critical of Bob Murray everyone told us oh you just wait just wait until the summer well this is it like the, I'm the time is now I, I'm waiting still haven't seen anything the, the gift while we're waiting <laughs> yeah like this is it and so i i am eagerly awaiting to see what uh what happens here because i can't wait i might i might throw out a petty tweet if they do nothing i just might who knows as you are want to do oh please all right <laughs> should we uh should we move on to questions yeah so for anyone watching this on youtube yes we're on youtube youtube.com slash responder on your favorite podcast services uh we do a live stream of the show each and every time now instead of it being on sunday every monday at 8 Monday. p.m. Well, Monday not every. We'll, we're going to be taking a couple weekends off here and there during summer. But during the season, every Monday at 8 p.m., we're where you can tune, cottage. tune in. Yeah, going to the cottage. Tune in and see our wonderful faces uh, on this show. And you can help support the show in a way that actually helps out significantly. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. And you do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. There's also just the regular prime or regular subscribe option. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. And I already read off some from um, earlier, but Hey, yo, D flow resub for nine months. Good friend of the show. Good patron over there. Um, so, and uh, fat Geralt resub for seven months because he was able to make it finally. Um, so thank you fat Geralt for, uh, for subbing. So 
Here we go. Uh, M. Young said, do you think Seattle is going to end up with players like Theodore and Tuck due to teams making deals with teams not to take or take someone? Or do you think every team has now learned from the Vegas expansion and won't make that mistake? So there's a couple of problems here. I think that at the time, uh, we didn't see that coming either. Um, and so right now, I don't really know who is like, th- who's the guy that's going to be there that's going to be available for, uh, for Seattle. And I don't, you know, teams should be smarter. Will they be? There's also the weird situation with the cap and how that's going to impact everything and how cap space is such an asset. So the environment now is just totally different. And I, I would be a little surprised if teams got the wool just completely pulled over their eyes. But oh, it's going to happen. NHL GMs are also not known to be great at learning yeah. from their mistakes. So it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. Last expansion draft, I did not even think that uh, Shea Theodore was in play. Yeah, same. Like, the fact that that happened was just, like, galaxy brain. Like, how is that even possible? And the Ducks found a way. They found a way to make that happen. And I actually really think that that is part of all of the changes that we're seeing with the Ducks. Is there? I think that, that they felt that one. They felt this thing oh, that loss. That, that is legitimately on the level of, like, what was it? The Toronto Maple Leafs traded the pick that became Scott Niedermeyer to the Devils. Yeah, like it's close. To, not like Shea Theodore isn't Scott Niedermeyer level. I mean, Shea Theodore could win a Norris now. He could. So, and, and you gave him up because of the expansion draft when he wasn't even eligible to be taken. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> like he wasn't. He wasn't eligible for the expansion draft. How how different does the Ducks rebuild look if you still have Shea Theodore? You had a Norris level defenseman. Because let's see, he is. You had a Norris Trophy level defenseman. He's twenty five. He's going to be 26 in August, so in a couple weeks. So he's not exactly like one of the youngsters, but he is well within his prime. Yeah, and he's he's going to have a few more years of his prime. So I you mean, can you can probably go in a little harder. You can you can be a little more aggressive in getting back in mm-hmm. because you have a Shea Theodore who's in his prime and who is at such a high level. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Piano Keys uh, said, uh, what do you guys think of the rise of William Eklund as a possible first overall pick? I've seen a lot of rumors on Twitter about this. It's not happening. Yeah, I don't I don't see him going first overall. I mean, the, I, the, I the, do the think Sabres, the Sabres are very weird and unpredictable. I mean, last year, they it's they, possible last year. They they I mean, you saw what they did picking yeah. Jack Quinn. But oh. th- this year, I feel like they will probably just try to make the safe pick which yeah ironically enough is probably actually not the pick that i would make there so yeah yeah i mean eckland at first overall would be a good pick yeah it would be better than power but they you know it is what it is um yeah, yeah I, I don't foresee it happening i think eckland probably is one of the best players in this draft and i think probably should go in the first overall range right, yeah. i just i just don't see buffalo being the team to take him. yeah exactly so, there you go Exactly. Um, this is a question just for me. NJ Devils fan sixty eight. Who wins tomorrow, Gargano or Cross? And does Cross show up on Friday? So on NXT tomorrow, I actually haven't been watching WWE programming in a while, but I, I keep my, my finger on the pulse. A little you bit. you I, always make these bold declarations of I'm never watching WWE again. I legit you come, don't. You come but back I, every time. Wait, I don't watch it, but I pay attention and keep my finger on the pulse and read about it. You come back every time, but say, I, say watch, it like it is. I watch Dynamite every week and watch BTE, watch all all the AEW stuff. But regardless, um, I I think it makes sense that Johnny Gargano is going to win it. The way the way has supposedly been really fun and doing a lot of fun things. Um, Karrion Cross is, is set for the main roster. I mean, he had some uh, matches on main event 
as an NXT champion. It seems like he's a guy that Vince would love. So it makes sense that he's a main roster bound. And you give uh, you give Johnny Gargano another run with the strap and uh, give the way a little bit of a spotlight. And maybe you eventually get Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, like four or five and so much fun. I agree. Yeah. There you I'm go. I 100% the, agree. The more fun story is the Hangman Page versus uh, Kenny Omega story that's being told. And that's one of the best stories, not just in pro wrestling, but in all of television. <laughs> Bold declaration for you. Salem, what are you doing? Salem Only... has decided to walk behind my monitor. This is how you know we're getting late in the episode. Salem yeah, is trying your to distract me. Your screen is shaking now. Your camera is shaking. Yeah. That... Your cat has invaded your setup. Yeah. this is. I. If you saw me reaching, I was trying to move her off the desk because i knew that she was by the way I, I see you sipping on the essential water yeah bougie i very guess bougie very Salem. very bougie yeah as uh, i drink my my like four dollar water bottle or six dollar water right. bottle. Anyway. let's see if salem comes down without actually ruining my setup i hope that happens um but yeah um what do you think by the way of pierre mcguire getting hired so there is there is just some kind of there has to be some kind of comedic element to the fact that the Senators hire Pierre Maguire and the Oilers trade for Duncan Keith on the same day, like two of the most incompetent franchises in the NHL, both reminding us why they are where they are by doing two of the stupidest things that any team can possibly do. It is actually mesmerizing that someone could delude themselves into thinking that Pierre Maguire should hold some executive position in their organization. Hey, if he comes in and proves me wrong, great for him. But anyone who's talked the way he's talked the last 20 years or whatever on TV, I am just not buying what he's selling at all. And I even saw, you know, rumors today or people writing that did the senators hire Pierre Dorian's replacement in Pierre Maguire. Like that's insane. That's actually insane. You, it, it's like it's like you know you you're hiring John Madden you know out of out of the broadcast booth to be your gym like you just it's not something that I would recommend um, and so yeah I I don't really understand that one at all and then of course the Oilers just completely you know shitting the bed in draft or uh, trading for Duncan Keith so yeah I mean the Canadian teams reminding us why uh, so many people were laughing at the North Division just because of what they do. Yeah. Um, all right. We got two more questions to get to. Uh, M. Young said, surprised that we haven't talked at all about Tarasenko. Do you think the Ducks could be in on him? Yeah. So we haven't. I. So when I was writing our very long and elaborate script for today's show, um, I it crossed my mind because there has been that whole fallout in St. Louis of Vladimir Tarasenko wanting out there. The disagreement there with his shoulder surgery. And it sounds like he's as good as gone. I just don't really see the fit for the Ducks there. It's a good question, though. I mean, it's probably something that we should have talked about just because it is in the news. I don't think it makes sense for the Ducks to to give up assets to go and get a guy who is really kind of... I think he only makes sense for a team that's contending. And I, I just... The, 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 the gap in timelines there for the Ducks, you know, from where Zegers and Drysdale are and then their other youngsters to where Tarasenko is, it just doesn't make sense. And the people that are whining about Eichel having his injury history, well so does Tarasenko and Tarasenko is older and not as good as Jack Eichel. So, I mean, you, if you don't, if you don't want uh, Jack Eichel, then you certainly shouldn't want uh, Tarasenko. But even regardless, I think the ducks should try on, on Eichel. I don't think they should try on Tarasenko because I, I don't, I don't really see the upside there. I agree. I agree completely. Um, okay. 
So we're going to end with one more wrestling one. Our NJ Devils fan is just out for my heart with, with these questions. He's asking, and uh, Sammy Callahan or Kenny Omega this weekend? So I don't know how I feel about this one because it's the summer of Kenny. It's going to be the summer of Kenny dropping belts. I kind of think that he's going to drop his first title at AAA Mania against uh, Andrade, uh, dropping the AAA Mega, Mega Championship. Um, but it would be interesting if he loses the first title as the T- as the Impact or TNA title to Sammy Callahan. I think eventually Kenny comes out on top, and I think the first title he loses the AAA uh, Mega Championship to Andrade, eventually loses the TNA one. The only one he will have left is the AEW title, which he eventually loses it all out to Hangman Page in September and the greatest story being told on television. <laughs> they need to hire you. They need to hire you and just help sell this this wonderful production. Did, did I sell you on any of it? I mean, it, it sounded important. It sounded there like something that I that I need to watch. Kenny mm-hmm. Omega currently holds four different titles from three different promotions. And <laughs> How is that possible? Because the the uh, the uh, the forbidden door has been opened. Kenny Omega, an AEW wrestler, showed up at Impact. He's also held the AAA Mega Championship for AAA in Mexico for multiple year or for oh. multiple years now pre pandemic. And Andrade is going to take it from him. It's going to be great. Anyway, let, let's move on from that. Okay. If you don't mind, if you don't, um, unless unless you have, if there's anything else you want, to I mean, AEW is fantastic. Go watch AEW, everyone. That's all I got to say. Um, sure, fine. No more wrestling talk for me until there's another wrestling question that I can then pull in. <laughs> um, anything else? I I can't really find anything else. I just want to I just want to give you my condolences for England losing. I know that you're a big England supporter, big Harry Kane guy. There you go. There you go. You didn't do. I, he didn't do anything in that game, uh, so congrats to him. And he, he scored, he, he, he scored he the score penalty. penalty. He, he scored the penalty. penalty shot. He was one of the two England players to score. Yeah, and uh, but what a disastrous finish for for England. I feel bad. Uh, I have a good friend who's English, and watching him just crumble in emotional defeat when they missed that final penalty that was kind of hard to watch. Now it's on to the Gold Cup. USA beat. Uh, uh who are they playing haiti yesterday usa beat haiti one nothing uh mexico drew with trinidad and tobago so the two giants were struggling um and uh, I, w- I will say watching competitive soccer like meaningful high intensity game like that between italy and england made me kind of kind of got bit by the bug a little bit bought fifa 21 yesterday yeah played played last night until 1 a.m very poor decision so, you know, if Jake ever decides to, you know, uh, toughen up and, and test me online, I think that that may be our new our new streaming outlet. We'll see. I will, I will beat you with Tottenham. Oh, NJ Devils fan <laughs> came in with one more question. Nick Gage or Zack Ryder? I'm going... Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Cardona on that one. I'm going to say he pulls it off and beats Nick Gage. I'm not a biggest de- the biggest deathmatch wrestling fan, though. Hey, OD Flow is the person to talk to for that one, not me. <laughs> Okay, I think uh, I think it might be time to wrap up. This is record time. I don't think that we've gotten to the point of wrapping up below the hour mark in a long time. I know, so, I know. I you mean, know, the, the, this, the, this podcast has not been brought to you by anyone, so there hasn't been any breaks. This this show all gas, is, no breaks. <laughs> this show has been short, but I think it's been sweet. You know, yeah, that's what that's has. what we do. I mean, it's still like an hour. Proper vitriol thrown at Dallas Akins, Jacob Larson, Sam Steele. We're really just checking all the boxes, keeping sharp during the offseason. Some That's good wrestling talk. Yeah, some great wrestling talk, some some Harry Kane, Tottenham references. So There you go. I didn't even well. make the Harry Kane reference. That was you. Yeah, but you doubled down on it. 
So it, it became yours with with the double down. Well, I mean, what what is today, by the way? Oh, today's holiday. <laughs> I actually want to check now. There, what there is you, today's holiday? There, there you go, everyone. We're we're ending in on a strong note. Yeah, we're going strong here. Lo- Ooh. Oh, final oh episode of Loki debuts at midnight tomorrow. Fantastic show. Best MCU show there this, is. This is a big one. Uh, this is a big one. I actually wish that I had let off with this. I really do. I really do. Um, so this is actually for tomorrow. This is for July 13th, which is good because that's when most people will be listening. National French Friday. Happy National French Friday. I hope everybody goes out, grab some delicious fries M- from your favorite fry provider. M. Young uh, comes in with the, the best uh, Twitch comment I've seen yet. Uh-huh. Jake versus Felix on FIFA. Yeah. Streaming. Yeah, I, that's what I've been saying. Thank you. I agree. Thank you. Someone someone had to say it. Who, who would you pick as your team? Uh, well, it depends who you would pick. It depends, I mean, like, how, how good of teams are we going? Are we going obscure teams? Are we going middling teams? Are we going just, you know, best on best? I'm waiting for you to somehow make a shot or take a shot at Tottenham right now. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I will play as Tottenham. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust from there. Um, also, tomorrow is uh, National Beans and Franks Day. So if you're if you're feeling hungry, you know, drive down to Br- Wienerschnitzel. Bring us the dingus is asking, is it is it an in and out day tomorrow? Because it's you know, National French Fry Day. If I play hockey tomorrow night, which I haven't yet decided on. Um, yeah, maybe, Jess, ma- Jess will yell at him if he's not there. <laughs> also, tomorrow for any of our uh, Mongolian listeners is Mongolia's National Day. So there you go. That's a big one. Did not did not know about that. Did not know they had a national day. The, but yeah, Heyo Deflo said this is this is the quintessential middle of the off season podcast. <laughs> it is also okay. This one is important. I'll fin- I'm, I swear I'm done after this. This is this is an unofficial one. Like so on this website holidayscalendar.com, it has holiday type. This one falls under unofficial. The others were either weird or public holiday. This one is embrace your geekness day. So tomorrow, Jake, embrace yourself. <laughs> thanks <it>. thanks <laughs> there there's the parting shot there it is there it is Woo, got him yeah got him i bad. mean that one was very easy i'll give you that one that was a crossover dunk um <laughs> wow wow <laughs> okay well i'm gonna go practice fifa jake you're gonna go watch wrestling but before we do that we have to we have to wrap you know? up how did you know i didn't actually know i just you know i'm gonna go I, watch aw dark elevation <laughs> there you go but okay. yes, l- l- let's wrap this thing up. Um, yeah, let's get out of here before we say something. So if you want to support the show, thing. an easy way to do it is Apple Podcasts. If you want to search us on there, leave us a five-star review. We will read it on the show. I cannot remember if we read this one or not. We did. The Okay, so we got a new one then since oh. that one. Oh. Did we wait? So did we read Icarus Foxes? Hold on. Let me let me just pull this up. All right. Me... I'm just going to read Icarus Foxes just again. Just read it again. If we, yeah. if we read it already, you know, whatever. Yeah. So Best Ducks podcast period. Jake and Felix are awesome at not only presenting updates and news about the team, but also offering fresh takes and raw opinions on the team and its direction. Keep the good work, boys. And then we Thank also you. got one since then. So I think we may have read that one I before. I think we did read. Yeah, I think we did read these. 
And but it's okay. The, I, we it's have okay. not read this one. This one from Blake T32, we? we have not read. I said, my favorite, five stars. I listen weekly while at work, and it's a great show to keep up with Ducks news and corresponding analysis. The boys always have some good takes with fleshed out point of views. The show makes it easy for me to keep up with any Ducks news I may have missed out on or discussion topics that I'm excited about, especially Felix's bad food takes. Love you all for putting these shows out. Oh, yeah, we didn't read that one. I saw it, but we didn't talk about it. Well, yeah, thank you. You know, I'm glad someone appreciates the food takes. I wouldn't characterize them as bad because they're my actual <laughs> personal beliefs. But regardless, <laughs> regardless of how you characterize them, I'm glad you enjoy them. I am glad you and, enjoy them. And we have officially broken the 200 barrier. We're at 202 oh. ratings. So oh, wow. thank you, everyone, for doing that. Thank you for pushing that. If you want to keep pushing it, we'll, we'll set a new goal. We'll set a new goal. Well, we got to do something. I feel like we got to – Jake will think of something. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll I'll just pour this water on my head. No, I don't want to ruin my gear. <laughs> we'll play obligation hot potato and just throw it towards Jake and hope he figures something out. <laughs> so, sounds about right for this podcast. <laughs> okay. Before I, get a myself, shot at you. before I get myself in more trouble – um should probably wrap up so yeah definitely if you've been enjoying the show leave us a rating and a review and uh, we'll read it on the show we really do appreciate those we're also on spotify um you can find us on youtube youtube.com slash crash the pond really enjoy reading the comments there we get some very in-depth comments we get buffalo sabers fans jumping in because they're so offended by our oh, yeah, proposals. That, that was fun that was a good time i i enjoy that um so yeah subscribe to us there turn on your notifications um and also check out our Patreon page. So patreon.com slash crash the pond for $1 a month. You get access to our patrons only discord chat, which is a lot of fun. Great community. I'm going to be honest. I've been kind of absent in there the last month. You have, you which, have. Uh, is a bad look for me, but Jake <laughs> is in there. Um, Jake's the more sociable one anyway. So Jake is in there. A lot of great people are in there. Uh, that's for $1 for $5 a month. You still get access to the chat and you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. So we go more in depth on the ducks. We do league wide topics. We're going to do a mock draft on there. So, I mean, this is the time of year where you get bang for your buck. Um, and then for $15 a month, we also do two watch alongs a month. And I think Jake, you said we're doing one for the expansion draft or what yeah. are we doing? So current plan is at least as of right now is we will have a Patreon episode of a mock expansion draft, a Patreon bonus episode of a mock draft, Mm-hmm. A watch along of the expansion draft, and we'll figure out a, th- a second watch along. Yeah, so that's for fifteen dollars a month. It, it helps out the show tremendously, and I think you get more out of it this way. So if you if you want to go check that out, that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You can also check out our website, crashthepond.com. We're probably gonna have some articles going up there with all the action that's about to arrive. Hopefully, some trades to break down. Correct. Uh, I'm really hoping that we get some trades. Uh, check out crashthepond.com slash shop. You can get one of these cool t-shirts that I'm wearing. Got mm-hmm. the logo there, our cool logo. I was I was wearing mine yesterday. Were you? Okay, good. Yeah, I, I feel like we have to wear it to our games. It's just, it's obligatory at this point. Um, and then, yeah, check us out on social media. Jake is on there at reindeergames91. Follow him for all the hot takes. Follow me at Felix underscore Sicard on Twitter. And that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Glad to be back. You know, it feels good to be back in the saddle. I swear that week off felt like an eternity. I was going to say, we we only took one week off. I swear, you know, we haven't missed a week in probably, I don't know how, I think how long we I think we missed one week at the end of the season, but that's two weeks since January that we've missed. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a, of a grind. So getting that week off, it just, 
I didn't know what to do. Um, anyway, so what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah, well, Fourth of July kind of kind of decided what what I did at least. Um, booze. Anyway, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us tonight, guys. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you at the next show. Have a good one. Bye.